Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there and welcome to another edition of the Empire of the Suns podcast live from the Arizona Sports Studios, not live from Footprint Center or me not live from a hotel room and Kevin live from his office at home. Hey bud, good to see your face. New Orleans treat you well again? Yeah, yeah, it definitely treated me well. The NBA schedule makers did not treat me well though um, because the series starts on a Monday, 10 hour travel day on Friday. Uh, and then writing Saturday, writing Sunday. Game starts Monday, and then one day off between every game in this series. So uh, I'm scanning in the horizon looking for the last day off I had, and I'm, I'm zooming through, and I can't really find it. But that's <laughs> that's my own doing, and I welcome it because it's playoff basketball. It's time to go, and I love it. Let's talk about the Dallas Mavericks. Um, as we said last episode, we are going to be uh, previewing the series here. Uh housekeeping note at the start before we go you as is your god-given right as a red-blooded american (laughs) put in uh some time off so for the entire second round you are not going to be on the podcast you recently had a child like right when everything is happening during the sports season and the the kid is uh well earned it's well earned for you to uh get that time off so i'm gonna be glued to that tv and see how that goes basketball We'll see how it goes for you. We'll see how it does. Um, and with that in mind, I'm going to be having some guests on throughout. We are still going to be podcasting uh, after every game. Some familiar faces should be popping on, some new ones as well. Hopefully, uh, as you can imagine, scheduling this is going to be a nightmare for me because of the day off in between stuff from game three on. I'm going to be like traveling in between games every day. So the life, though, we love it again. We, we very much enjoyed and do not want to come off as um, complaining because I am not. It's just the reality of my situation, and I very much enjoy it because it's playoff basketball, and we got to talk about a new series. It's the Dallas Mavericks and the Phoenix Suns in the second round of the playoffs, the Western Conference semifinals. Last year was the Denver Nuggets, 4-0 sweep for the Suns. I haven't compared this to the Nuggets series anywhere in written words, but I feel like it's pretty similar in terms of the, not the bodies missing and stuff, but just the overall discrepancy in the teams here. I feel like not only are the Suns a much better team than the Mavericks, just like they were against the Pelicans, but this time the Pelicans were a terrible matchup, as we learned. I think the Mavericks are a really good matchup for them. There is a bevy of reasons why, which I'll get into, and you can read about on ArizonaSports.com as well. That's just my initial read of the series. Before we get into it, Kevin, where are you at with how you assess it? Yeah, I think you're spot on with the, like, if you compare the first two series to last year, it's first series, okay, you're playing against a team with two stars, um, a lot of issues around them, and obviously injuries, whatever, with the Lakers. They get Both teams gave the Suns trouble, right? And, and the Suns had to deal with their own injury situations. And then it, it's the same again in the second round where it's, playing a team that's just like built around one guy and it was Jokic last year Luka this year um lots of matchup problems where for for the other team where it's like 
one of the Suns' best defenders can cover that MVP-type caliber player pretty well. There's also the the supporting cast for that MVP candidate or MVP player, Not where it's like, cool. where it's a lot of I like that guy, but but. <laughs> They should not be the second, third, fourth, or fifth best player on a team that wants to win a championship or wants to contend with a team like the Suns that is the favorite to win the championship. I just right did now some still. like late, like I'm not prepared for this thing. Looking at the last few games to make sure I'm right in my head with the, the Mavs, and I'm right in that. They really Davis miss. Bertans isn't playing, yeah. and Josh Green is playing. Like we're Arizona dudes. Josh Green, I thought is going to be a good NBA player. Eh. Right now, he's still really young, but he's like the eighth guy, seventh guy. Like they really miss Timmy, uh, yeah. Tim Hardaway Jr. It left, looks like he's not. Yeah, left foot close. surgery. It seemed like it was one of those uh, situations for the Dallas reporters, from what I could decipher, that they were trying to figure out information and where uh, where where exactly his timeline is. And then Jason Kidd actually read like a note basically <laughs> today at practice that was like. He is jogging right now. In three to four weeks, we expect him to be able to be running and all that stuff, which is at that point he will be able to resume basketball activities. He might come back for the finals. Something like that, it seemed like the (laughs) timeline was. So that's not good for them. Um, This is not to throw shade Jalen Brunson's way, who has played extremely well in the playoffs, averaging 28 points per game in in the Jazz series and is really having a breakout course. Uh, Dinwiddie didn't play well in that series, but he's played really well since getting to Dallas. And then beyond that, you've got players you like, like Dorian Finney-Smith, Reggie Bullock. But again, you get to this point where you're asking a lot more out of those types of guys. And what stands out to me, Kevin, that's just my general observation. And then when I go into the teeth of it and really look at the statistical profile that I'm looking at for the Mavericks, uh, let me know when you start to get encouraged, Kevin. Offensive rebounding percentage, they were 23rd. Uh, I will I will say... This is a completely different team since they traded Porzingis for Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans. All of the numbers I'm reading to you, I double-checked. None of them went much higher or much lower in the two months or so they've had with Dinwiddie. So nothing really changed that much. Offensive rebounding percentage, 23rd. Second chance points per game, 29th. Free throw rate, 14th. Points off turnovers, 26th. Fast break points, 28th. Points in the paint, 29th. Turnover percentage, 7th. Opposing points off turnovers, second. They're number one on cleaning the glasses transition defense, like points per play kind of thing that they do. They are first in the amount of corner threes they generate, the number of above-the-break threes they generate, and of course, the number of overall threes that they generate. They shoot fourth best from the corner. They shoot 12th best on above-the-break threes, seventh overall. And and that's kind of what stood out to me with their statistical profile. The one thing that I didn't like where I was like, okay, Generate threes, all that kind of stuff. They're 20th in assist percentage. So that tells you that it's a lot of threes that are off the dribble, particularly above it's the Luka, break, yeah. which is where Luca is taking almost all of his threes off the dribble, I would assume. Brunson is going to take a couple. Dinwiddie is going to take a couple. Even guys like Bullock and Finney Smith, they'll take one every now and then in that kind of way. Something working in Phoenix's favor with everything I just talked about. So basically, turnover percentage, all that stuff. They're a Chris Paul team. They, they don't turn the ball over. So that's not an area where the po- points off turnover, turnover battle 
is going to be something to watch for because if the Suns kind of loosen up in that way, that's where Dallas can gain an edge because they're going to take care of the ball and not give up points off turnovers because the transition defense is so good as well. But they are second in the number of corner threes they give up per game, second best rate, third above the break, second overall in the amount of threes they give up. So the Suns don't give up threes. The Mavericks are going to still take a lot of threes, but Phoenix's defense has been doing this all year. So when I went into the numbers, too, I came out even less encouraged for the Mavs, and I was saying Matt, I was saying Suns and five in this whole thing, and I'm sticking with that prediction, but I really wouldn't be shocked if we got a sweep here, which is where we probably talk about Luka and the way yeah. that the Suns have been able to successfully defend him now for almost three years at this point. So if we're looking at matchups, you put Mikel on him, right? You put Mikel on him, but Brunson is the X factor here because if Booker's hamstring is 60% instead of 90%, then all of a sudden you don't want to put Booker on Brunson and have that hamstring wear down again. So now it's like, okay, can Jay or Chris Paul guard Brunson? Probably not. So you put Bridges on Brunson, then you put Jay on Doncic. But do you like Jay on Doncic? Okay, are you going to just kind of scheme it a bit and just trap Doncic? Like, what are you going to do there? Chris Paul on Brunson maybe, but again, that's going to be a pretty heavy workload for him. It's weird because, as you wrote in your story, they play five out, and that's kind of why. Didn't you say they like, shot 42 threes a game in the Utah series? Something? 41.8 threes Oof. per game. Anyway, so I, I just think the five out thing is important because it's okay. Yeah, DA's on Dwight Powell. Jay, do you, where do you put him? Like on Dorian Finney-Smith, I guess. Finney Smith, yeah, and then Mikkel Chris Hill is Bullock. on. Yeah, yeah Chris on Bullock. Book on Brunson. Yeah. Yep. So that's kind of where the squeeze is. And if you move Mikel on to Brunson, then Jay can take him, and then the Suns will manage. It's just a matter of whether you like Jay on Doncic, which I don't know if we've seen in the regular season, and we obviously didn't get many looks this season um, with Doncic out. That is, that is something we probably should have mentioned earlier. The Suns have not played the Mavericks since all of this. and July even. T- or sorry, January 20th, I think, was their last game, which is a long time ago. It was indeed. And then even lineups where Brunson and Doncic both started together, I couldn't find a game the Suns played against them when Brunson and Doncic were uh, starting. Yeah. Like there, there are obviously moments when they were on the floor together, but that's where the Suns were using Cam Johnson to defend Doncic a lot. And then obviously Mikel was guarding Brunson in those two games, first two games of the year when they didn't play against Dallas with Luka Doncic. Um, But yeah, I just don't... So the thing about all of this is that I wrote a story over two and a half years ago, basically. It was pre their game in the bubble against Dallas. It's kind of when we were saying, okay, the Suns need to go 8-0 or they're going to lose. So we were like previewing every game, really getting into it. And I wrote this whole thing about how well Mikel and DeAndre especially were defending Doncic. And really ever since then, it's funny, the one game Luka played this year, McGee was in, Aiden was out. So we don't even have this year's tape. But Mikel and DeAndre and the bouncing around space thing that I've been talking about for years now with them where it's like, okay, DeAndre's going to creep up out of that drop a little bit. And it's like, if you want to take the 20-footer, go ahead. But he's going to stay here and kind of move his feet and stick with you. And if you want to drive into him and try and finish over him, good luck. If you want to try and drive by him, you're not really going to be able to get anywhere. So it's basically he's going to be here until Mikel gets back or they're going to switch it entirely. And that, Kevin, is where the difference between Luka and a lot of 
other stars in this league is. If we're talking about Jason Tatum, Tatum can blow by Aiden. If we're talking yeah. about Paul George, George can probably get by Aiden. There's a lot of guys we're talking about in like that six seven, six eight frame. LeBron can like honestly like finish through DeAndre because he can finish through anyone. Giannis, like he has the speed, he has the strength, he has all that stuff. When you run through the league stars, Durant would just get by him. But Luca's not a extremely quick guy in that regard. I think he's a lot quicker than people think, and I think his footwork is excellent. But he could get him in foul trouble. I can see, yes, that kind of stuff. But the explosive athleticism for him is just not there, and that is what you need to like make this pairing really um, get under a bit. You you need like that next level bit of speed and strength. The strength on bridges, which Luca has, I wrote about that in the story, but he doesn't have the speed. And that's where I look at that and just say, okay, Mikel and DeAndre on them, I kind of wonder, man, do they like almost like just use Finney Smith or Bullock as a screener the whole game just to kind of put DeAndre off to the side a bit, but then DeAndre can just sit under the rim, and then if you get to the rim, he's there. Um, I think the number one question for me is just going to be point of attack defense and just how consistently Dallas can get by with Brunson, Dinwiddie, and Doncic and get into the paint. They don't score there but they can at least get into the paint and then create the threes that they do. Because we saw against Utah, it was like watching a junior varsity high school game just with the basic element of, oh, go Bears there. Okay, we're just going to drive in and then force him to rotate, and then Kleba is going to hit seven threes in the game or whatever, right? Yeah. You can't do that with Aiden, and you can't do that against this defense too because Jazz's on-ball defense was horrible in that series. We've talked about it, and you've talked about it a lot, how the Suns on-ball defense kind of leaves a little bit to be inspired at times, but it's much better than what they do. And then DeAndre is much better. Their scrambling defense, which is going to be a huge part of this series too, is a lot better. So on that main bullet point of Luka, look, I started the story with this. He's averaging 33 points, 9 rebounds, and 9 assists per game in his 16 career playoff games so far. He's about to make his third straight First team All NBA. Could he just go nuts in this series and they could lose? Oh yeah, like that's we have to start every discussion on him but with that possibility. That might be like, but that's the only shot tough, I think the Mavs have. Tough forty points. Like you could have tough yeah. forty points. They could get swept. I could see that. And he's going to get numbers in the series. It's just a matter of how they correlate to winning. Like that's, yeah, that that's what I'm saying. And I don't think he can have like a winning effect on this series with what Phoenix does defensively. I I'll say he can win them a game or two on his own he's that good um i won't put that past him but that's gonna have to be Suns are leaving too many other guys open which look kirk goldsberry posted a update on net rankings a graph a nice little infographic on instagram you should follow him if you're a basketball nut Suns are eighth in net rating across all the teams that played in the first round eighth they were 11th i believe on defense fourth on offense they're not against a different team. They were not playing great defense. And obviously the offensive rebounding was an issue on that, and it probably won't be this time. But we have to put that out there and say, okay, if they're not having that same effort and there were effort problems, then they might drop games if they're just bombing from three. You know why else this reminds me of the Denver series? Why? Who guards Chris Paul and Devin Booker? Oh, we forgot. So Aaron Gordon was the handful for one of those guys, and he was on Booker, and he still didn't really wasn't able to do that great of a job. Dorian Finney-Smith. Dorian Finney-Smith is one of the better defenders in the league. I wouldn't say best, but he's 
Like if you're talking across positions, if you go all defense to four teams, he's making one of those four teams. Maybe not the first two, but one of the first four. He will probably be on Chris Paul. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if he was on uh, Booker and then they did something weird, like have Kleba guard Chris Paul, which is what they did in one of those games, which was basically like, we know DeAndre's coming to set the screen, so we're just going to switch it right there and then whoever's guarding him. But then they're going to throw it down to the big fella and not even switch it. And whoever That's... is on him with like Reggie Bullock or whoever, or Finney Smith is on him, it's like, okay, he's just going to post them up. And that was the second part I wrote about my preview, Kevin, which is that DeAndre is coming off the best offensive game of his career. I think my favorite quote that we've gotten so far so far from the playoffs was me asking him just about the dribbling and just getting into the college bag, as he calls it, and whatever it is, right? This year, everything is a green light for me when I have the ball in my hands. I feel like I can do anything with it, knowing how teams guard me and what to expect and where my teammates are at. I'm starting to be way more comfortable to where I can make the play or I can be the playmaker when I have the ball. Definitely with all the spins and using the dribble and using my size, I'm definitely starting to get in rhythm. Not starting. I am in rhythm <laughs> with all of that now to where I know where my strengths are at completely. He's catching himself as if to say, like, no, like I'm, I'm, I'm in rhythm now. He was... Starting to get comfortable at a certain point, whenever this was, like two years ago, three years ago, a year ago, six months ago, six weeks ago, I don't know. But now he's in rhythm, and he's almost he, – I, I loved him catching himself and being like, no, screw that. I, I am in rhythm now. And that is huge trouble for the Mavericks because on top of who guards Chris Paul and Devin Booker, they're, they're a good defense, but they give up a lot of mid-range shots too, which is – No. <laughs> that's not good. Um, and then who guards DeAndre? I don't know. And I think with the way DeAndre is playing offensively, Chris is going to start every game looking for him. It's going to come to the detriment of the rhythm of the offense sometimes. But you saw how that New Orleans game started. Was it game five here where he went nuts like four or five in the first six, seven minutes? That was game five. Yeah. They're going to do that a lot in this series and look for him early. And then again, if you double him, he'll he'll make the right pass. We haven't gotten to that point for him in a playoff series really yet where he's getting doubled constantly, but that's probably going to come in this series. My bold prediction for this series is we see Boban by Game 3. Not starting, yeah. but we're just going to see them look to play some sides because they play Powell, they play Kleba, and whether it's McGee, Biombo, all that stuff, it's like the Suns are going to be aggressive on the offensive glass as well. I think they're going to use some of what they learned last series in terms of how important offensive rebounding is and how they can offensive rebound to beat them and you're shaking your head as we talk about this like again like I just the main main parts of this series that I'm hitting on right now all of them just favor the Suns in a pretty decisive way where I'm trying to see the uh, like when when we talked about the Pelicans like okay McCollum and Ingram are really really good and they're going to hit tough shots which I think you can do okay they're going to crash the offensive glass and they're going to I'm struggling to see where those points are for them except Luca amazing Lots yeah. of threes. I, I don't. I don't see where else it is. The, the good. The good thing they have going for them. Sorry, the last thing. Just they. They have a good defense. We shouldn't just yeah. gloss over that. They have a good defense. They don't turn the but ball over. The defense. They play is good super for... slow with pace. But it's. I guess the way that I would phrase it is: if you're looking at the normal, what you're expecting out of a second round matchup at this point, you look out east right now with what they've got going on. It's like this is a below average defensive team, probably when we're talking about what's left right now they're a good defensive team because most they can run most centers off the court and that's to me the bench thing is going to be interesting because dwight powell's they're technically the center and then kleba not really a center um they only use dinwiddie and green lately in the last few games so like do the suns mcgee is going to be a matchup problem for defense but do the suns honestly just go with him and just 
get him like 20 points easy um that's going to be an interesting thing to watch because like biombo is obviously a better matchup but if mcgee's just catching above everyone's heads and dunking it i i don't know if that's worth the problems that he'll have on defense now i was gonna ask you do you think mcgee plays in this series i think he does still i think he plays at the start of it but i think if it's that problematic they go yeah if it looks really bad with the five out early then i think they need to go to biombo pretty quickly and they can also counter that and play i don't understand why i haven't watched or paid attention to the mavs well enough why bertans isn't playing more because if he and kleba or some thing of that combo is playing more and really stretching um mcgee really can't play in that environment what's great about the matchup for the suns particularly with the five out too is that if mcgee and biombo start to be problematic and you want to go small it's like okay like Kleba <laughs> and Powell or bertans or whoever like tory craig can guard that guy jay crowder can cam johnson can even guard that guy and the rebounding again they don't Powell crashes the offensive glass but that's pretty much it ish wainwright might play if Monty wants a different look than Tory Craig like that yeah, yeah they got options they can they can match with this team as far as personnel what I'm writing about now in in the last part of the preview is just how Dallas has a chance in the series and I think it goes back to point of attack defense generating threes but then again if their offense can't figure out how to like like you phrased it, every basketball team goes on a 12-3 run or a 15-4 run. The Oklahoma City Thunder, Houston Rockets, Sacramento Kings, like all these terrible teams do that, and the Suns just could not do that in the last series. And the way I phrased it is, you've got a Mikel Bridges back cut. Torrey Craig grabs a big offensive rebound. Jay hits a floater. Landry Shamit dumps it off to McGee. They chain everything together through themselves most of the time on both ends of the court to create those sorts of runs. And what happened was they relied entirely on pretty much Chris Paul, Mikel Bridges, Devin Booker when he was out there for a game and a half, and DeAndre Ayton, and that was enough to get them by the Pelicans. That will not be the case in this series, I don't think, because Brunson, Dinwiddie, and Doncic are so capable of those spurts. It's like, let's say you're up 12, you had a great 18 minutes, but then the last six minutes your offense kind of falls apart or whatever, they'll go on a 16-4 run. They'll hit three threes in 90 seconds, and then Doncic will get to the line or whatever, right? Like Brunson will yeah. hit two floaters, and then all of a sudden you're down two at the half. And you're like, what just happened? That's the type of firepower that they have offensively just because they have the three ball handlers. Them getting Dinwiddie as the third was huge. Um, I will say something to keep an eye on in terms of help and where they kind of commit Dinwiddie, a career 32% three-point shooter. He was at 40 in the regular season for Dallas. He went back down to 29 against Utah. So I wonder how much he's going to be able to stay on the floor if the Suns are just going to leave him open from three because Finney Smith is at 39, Bullock's at 39 since Christmas. He had a really weird like shooting 18% from three start to the season that he's recovered from. Yeah, it was really weird. Uh, But he's back from that. And I think Monty phrased it the right way where They'll just play some assortment of these five guys. Maybe they'll play Cleveland and Powell together. I don't really know if they do that that much. But again, those kind of wings together, one or two of those wings, two or three of those ball handlers are going to be out there. At least one of them is going to be, but sometimes they'll do all three. They're going to do some sort of assortment of that, and it's going to lead to threes, and it's going to lead to Brunson, Dinwiddie, and Doncic fighting their shots in certain ways. So if this Suns offense once again looks like it did last series, we're going to have a series on our hands again, which is what happened last time. I don't expect that to happen this time, especially with the tools they have to stop Doncic, how DeAndre's looked, and how DeAndre can handle 
um, this and then how they just don't really have an answer for who guards Chris Paul and Devin Booker in this series. But they have enough offensive firepower like New Orleans did. New Orleans was offensive rebounding, individual scoring. This is playmaking threes. It's a different version, but it's the same kind of concept almost. Yeah. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because if we come out of game one, we're three quarters in game one and the Suns have seventy three points or whatever, that's a bad sign. It's a really bad sign. Landry Shamit's gonna be kind of important. We don't know yeah. where Book's gonna be, but like this is where his defense being good all season, I'm actually like, oh, he might actually be playable for thirty minutes if you just match him with Dinwiddie minutes or or something like that, where Dinwiddie's not like the best like he just had an injury too but he's not the best athlete out there um so they match up pretty well and i think that that bench unit just needs to play good defense and knock down like you know better than 20 percent of your shots um and and generally for the role players at all um around those guys because that's just there are just too many misses and i know it's oversimplifying it to say in the pelican series that's why the suns had a series but it was a defensive thing too. Like I said, the offense actually was a lot better than the defense in that one. And so we'll we'll see if the Suns can just come out and and fix that right off the bat here. I think they will. Uh, I'm picking him five. What are you picking? Yeah, I'll go five. I think Monty's going to have a big bounce back series too for him as a coach. I think he's going to throw some wrinkles in there to really I don't remember playoff Jason Kidd as a coach. Not great. Yeah. He's gotten them to play defense and defend in transition and not turn the ball over and create threes. Like They have an identity as a team, and he's helped create that, which is great uh, work by him in his first year there. But I think there are just limitations to what they can do in this series, too. Mm-hmm. It's like, are we going to see Frank Neal Keen out there to yeah. pester Chris Paul? You know. I, that, I, I mean, that's that's the weird thing. It's like looking at how they play Dallas, they should use Bertans and Neal Keena and do these things, but I don't see a coach suddenly starting another series going like 10 deep on his bench of guys who he didn't trust apparently to get out of the first round anything else jump out to you around the league before we go mavericks and uh or sorry grizzlies and warriors are in a tight game right now draymond got tossed Bucks showing out without Chris Middleton. Turns out that it turns out, turns out he and Drew Holiday are still good. And turns out maybe yeah. all the hoopla about the East being good. I mean, Embiid now has an orbital bone, orbital bone fracture, which yeah. Suns fans can understand. There's a reason that. a lot of smart people like yourself were just like, "Yeah, Bucks." When I don't talk think, about the yeah, East just because. Like, oh, what a great, what a great lineup! It's like no, like one through four top 14 both conferences it's like i i think i know who like everyone wants to talk about the nets and lakers and all that crap but no even the celtics it's like i don't know can we all bow our heads and say a moment for kellen uh as the pool reporter for game one uh that scott foster is not on the crew Let's see. He was he was at the Celtics game today. So I was uh, I was the pool reporter for the last time he was too. But then no, nothing actually came up in that game to warrant me uh, being activated. If you don't know, there is a designated reporter who is called the pool reporter for every NBA game that you watch. And basically, what happens is if there's something in the game that warrants the reporters to feel like they want to talk to the official, they will basically be triggered. The emails will be sent, all that kind of stuff. And then that reporter will answer, will ask a question to like four to that official. 
I did this. I've, I've been this person like 20, 25, 30 times now at this point, but it, it's only happened once where I got activated, and that was when Chris got ejected with his, uh, with his finger and all that kind of <laughs> stuff, and I just tried to figure out what had happened, and if you've never read like a transcript of them, nothing ever comes of it, ever. Nothing, uh, because the officials just never say anything. They give a very clear, concrete, vague answer that can't go anywhere and can't really be used anywhere. Um, so that's why I ask because, yeah. Um, yeah, Scott Foss, what, they put out all the officials for this round and there was like still 18 apparently. I don't know if I'm, ju- I'm just taking a stab at the number, but there's a lot of officials and he ref today's game in Boston. Wait, was he in Boston or Milwaukee? Brain. Either way, I don't... Oh wait, was he in, was he in Boston today? Yeah. Oh, I'll be good then. He won't I think you're fly, good. He won't fly across the country for a game. You're good for game day. one, yeah. Yeah, okay, well, I'm good. See, our, our little moment of silence paid off. Anything you're really looking to do with your time off? What are you doing? I'm watching this child and then watching basketball. Other than that, boring house stuff maybe. But yeah. I got I to gotta find a way to watch some of these games, especially this uh, Grizzlies Warrior Series. I saw yeah. like three minutes of the first quarter while we were waiting for guys to talk, and we were podcasting now during it, and I'm about to go in the uh, – our workroom and watch the last six minutes of this or whatever it is but yeah i want to watch i want to watch more basketball man so yeah. when you cover basketball it's you hard we're in this bubble of the suns yeah. and it's hard to yeah get out but yeah you have a good time without me i'm sure people will be very happy i'm not on here and you're gonna oh, have some great guests s- oh stop and, it enough of that well it's good to get some guests on some of our fellow yeah sure but don't say that about yourself come on <laughs> Or uh, did the Cardinals sign a tight end while we played or what? Or while we talked or They what? need another one, man. Holy smokes. What are they doing? I'm actually excited about it. I'm with Wolf. Wow. <laughs> 12 personnel, brother. All right. We will see you guys after game one. I did not mention this. Uh, apologies for not doing that earlier because I know way less people listen at this point. But we will be doing the day after the games now. Um, it's just not logistically possible for me to be like, hey, can you guys record at 11.30 p.m. or midnight? By the way, I won't actually know if that time will work, and I might have to push it back like an hour, depending on how things go post-game, if the game goes long, like what's up with that. So it's going to be the day after, so it's going to be um, still instant reactions, but a little more of like nuanced talk of how the game went and then previewing the next game. Uh, and it's exciting times with who we'll have on. We'll see you then. Bye.